Hi, this is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. Oh, and then tonight we're going to talk about God as Father, Father God. It's something that we kind of take for granted, but I think it's something that uh, deserves being looked into a little bit deeper and a deeper understanding of what that truly means. Okay. Do you want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I got this. This is really good. This is written by Robert Stein, and it's called The Fatherhood of God. And I'm sorry, Mr. Stein, I don't have written down what website I got this out of. But he talks about uh, how often Father God, Father or God is referred to as Father in the Bible. And actually, he says that in the Old Testament, only 15 times. Only 15 times, and it was only, he was only um, called the father to certain individuals, Solomon, and to orphans, to the fatherless. And uh, there were other times he called Israel his son, but he never mm-hmm. talked about being the father. Uh, Psalm 68.5 says, a father to the fatherless. And Psalm 89.26 is one other place that they... Uh, mention father in the old testament and i want to read that because it sounds like jesus psalm eighty nine twenty six says he will cry to me thou art my father my god and the rock of my salvation i shall make him my firstborn the highest of the kings of the earth that was actually verse 27 too doesn't that mm-hmm. sound like he's talking about jesus because he is his firstborn well yeah and, and that uh, christianity is unique to that then um, the outlook that God is the Father is kind of unique to Christianity um, coming from our belief in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And it also comes in the concept of being adopted into the family. Mm-hmm. Jesus is his Son, and we are brothers and sisters of Christ, then we are children of God. Jesus, though... Now, in the New Testament, Jesus is the one that really brings the Father yes. in. It yes. says, uh, in the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, mm-hmm. Jesus says calls God Father 65 times, and over 100 times in John. And the often they say, Abba Father means Daddy. But this man says more recently, however, it has been pointing out that Abba was a term not only that small children used to address their fathers, it was also a term that older children and adults used. As a result, it is best to understand Abba as the equivalent of father rather than daddy. That's something I heard. Hmm. Yeah, so I mean, it was a, but it's a term of endearment, a term of affection from children. Right. No matter what their age group. No matter what father. their age group. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Do you have something you want to share? Well, yeah. I, looking at this concept of God as the Father, I think one of the things that we have to to look at, and this is something that I take very seriously, both as a pastor and as a man, and as a Christian in general. Um, there's been a... I, it's, I, follow me down this rabbit trail just okay. a little bit. Sure. There's been a real decline in men in church. Right. And... You know, I, I've, I've read the studies. I looked at all the different things that talk about um, the decline of fatherhood in churches, or mm-hmm. fatherhood in America as well. Going back to the Industrial Revolution and fathers leaving, leaving the home to get work and all those kind of things. Um, 
But I think part of what's going on in our current society, we have so many children that are raised without a father, without a strong father, without a, a loving father, that even though that's what they really, really desire, they have a hard time grasping um, Father God, Father God in the faith, mm-hmm. and because they have a, they they have that that fear of the father figure maybe or an uncomfortable relationship with the father figure, then they don't understand God the Father, True. and that's why I think a lot of people see God as being someone who is um, not caring about us, mm-hmm. not not active in our lives, or someone who is condemning only and not giving. And I think that's a that's a terrible shame that that's the way it is. And I think as Christians, we need to make clear who God the Father is and why we see God as Father and why He tells us He's He's our Father. This is so good because I found this. This is exactly where I wanted to go because this mm-hmm. is why I think us understanding that Father, understanding God as Father, and the kind of Father He is, it it. Um, uh, not identifies it, it. It helps us see who we are, and helps us relate to God and relate to other people. But if we don't have a good image of God, really, how the loving God that really within our heart we feel He's loving, it's hard to really feel free in our faith. I mean, I think this really identifies where we are in the faith, how we feel about Father God. Can I share just a couple of these? Sure. Things? Okay, this is from nacr.org. That stands for the National Association for Christian Recovery. And this is from a, uh, uh, an article called Seeing God in New Ways, Recovery from Distorted Images of God. And this woman, Juanita Ryan, is, a, I think, a nurse practitioner, mental health person that she, she deals a lot with these uh, people who need to talk about things. Mm-hmm. And she says a lot of um, Christians, not just... or, or Non-Christians and Christians, these are some of the things they think of God. God is waiting to punish me. God is punishing me. God is harsh and mean. Those are some of the things Mm -hmm. she hears, even from Christians who know in their head that God is loving. And I just wanted to share a couple things here, and then I'll let you... I know you have something to say. Sure. Our images of God are not the same as our ideas about God. Images are not abstract ideas. They are pictures They are a powerful combination of thoughts and feelings. These emotionally laden images of parents or other early caretakers form the basic foundation of our expectations in relationships with all other people, including God. For example, we believe in a God of love and grace, but our image of God may be of an abusive bully Mm -hmm. because that's what the father figure or someone in authority was over us. So we, we might believe... And think that we know God is loving, but how we have learned to deal with people in authority, it's always been with an, a bully. So emotionally, we're gonna we're gonna interact with God that way, and we don't even get a chance to be the loving Father He is. Yeah, I think that's actually that brokenness is what kind of comes between us. It's, it's yeah. the fact that we're broken before we start. But the problem that we have. And the disconnect there, I think, is that we all can admit that we're broken in some way, shape, or right. form. But we have a difficulty dealing with the perfection of a father in Father God who is not broken and and does not waver and does not change. And that 
that is that is the challenge. Um, there's actually a psychological term, psychology, psychology Today, and a couple other ones I, I, mm-hmm. I read about. Um, they have a concept of that's now part of the vernacular within psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, with young girls, it's called father hunger. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Self-image issues, uh, anorexia, bulimia, all sorts of things coming from that lack of a father in their lives. Father absent, father de- deficit. There are all sorts of... I mean, these are legitimate terminology within the, the psychological community right now because it is such a huge issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a a severe, severe, chronic case of fatherlessness in this country. Uh, the number of families that are fathers absent or missing completely. And because of that, not understanding who the father is... It makes it very difficult for, especially I think, young men who grew up without a father, mm-hmm. without a father that was a positive influence on their life, to accept God as father because they haven't. Sorry about that. They don't like the father part. Mm-hmm. I found a really good list here. I'm gonna. Okay. I know. I know you like lists, but I'm gonna beat you to the punch here. Okay. Uh, Ten ways God is the perfect father. Okay. I mean, he's come from uh, Crosswalk.com. Okay. I'm just gonna pull pull them up here quickly. Um, number one, God's patience never runs out. Mm-hmm. Psalm 103 says, From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is for those who fear Him and His righteousness and their children's children. For He is good, His love endures forever, Psalm 106. Uh, second one, God the Father is always approachable. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 4.16 says, draw near, We can draw near with com- confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God is always approachable, and sometimes our human fathers are not. Right. Uh, number three, God will never, you'll never have to learn, earn God's love. God loves us so much, He loved us when we were still sinners, and before we could, before we even knew Him, He sent His Son to die for us. He loved us that much. And the concept that you don't have to earn it, you don't have to seek approval, you don't have mm-hmm. to do anything, He just loves you. Yeah. Period. Mm hmm. Is a hard thing for people to accept. They always, and that's part of the human condition in our relationships. We always think that there has to be an exchange. Right. God doesn't want an exchange. He just wants you. Yeah. Um, number four, they said you will never blow it enough to lose His love. Mm, You'll never one. blow mm-hmm. it enough. And I love this this passage out of Romans. Okay. Romans eight thirty eight thirty nine. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm -hmm. God will not be separated from us. You cannot mess it up so much that he doesn't want you back. Ever. Um, Number five. God has your very best in mind. God wants the best for us. He doesn't want want us to... He doesn't put any demands on who we are or what we become. He just wants the best for us. And number six, God loves you enough to discipline you. Mm-hmm. That's something that I see a lot. Um, yeah. Teaching, I see a lot of fatherless kids. And honestly, they desire discipline. Mm-hmm. They need nobody, boundaries. Nobody loves them enough to say no to them. So at times they may act up wanting to get your attention because that's how they get attention. Is by, if they become a big enough burden that someone will notice them. And all they really want you to do is say no. Boundaries, and sometimes they, yeah. they need to hear that from you. I think, you know, boundaries, giving kids boundaries make them feel safe. They know that, 
you love him enough to say no. Yeah, to yeah. say no. Proverbs three eleven and twelve. Do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines who those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. A true father will discipline this, his children mm-hmm. for their own benefit. Not for his or not not because they're not doing what he wants, but simply because it benefits the child. I will say the discipline part, it goes back to this thing that people feel, oh, God wants to punish me. Mm-hmm. God doesn't delight in discipline. I mean, it's not like he wants, but he has to. Do you know what I mean? As a father, I mean, as a parent, you have to. You have to discipline. You it's have just to because, for their own good. Yeah, because people don't... Not just children's, but a, children, but adults as well. We don't necessarily learn on our own. Sometimes we have to have a lesson explained to us, and that's what discipline really is. Mm-hmm. It's someone trying to explain a lesson to you. Um, the seventh one on this list is God's timing is always perfect. Yes. Your your earthly father's timing may not have been perfect, but God's timing is perfect. Mm-hmm. And whether that's something that you need, or whether that's something that that um, you desire that you strive for and you pray for God's timing is perfect. So if, if you're not getting it right now, it's because God knows better. The creator of the universe knows everything about you and everything in the future. So if he tells you when you need it, yeah, he's right. Right. So you got to just relax and, and let him be the father on that. Uh, number eight, God gives wisdom generously. One of the biggest issues that people have that uh, in these psychology articles I'm reading is that they do that people do not feel loved by their father, but they also don't feel like their father imparted any wisdom on them, that they ever passed mm. a torch, that they ever said, you know, here, let me show you this. Let me show you how to do this. Let me do these things with you. Some of that comes from the industrialized nation that we have now. If a father goes to work and just gets in his car and goes to work and comes back. And he's tired when he gets home. Well, not just that, but... He's not working in front of his children. They're not seeing what he does. Right. And they don't really have an interest in what he does because he doesn't talk about it when he comes home. Mm-hmm. When it was, uh, uh, if you were blessed enough to live on a farm or a ranch where you're working with your father, that's different. And you do get a lot of wisdom out of that. But not just not just wisdom of work, but other wisdoms too. Um, number nine, God lets you make your own choices. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing for people to grasp. They don't understand that you know it's not god standing there with a stick waiting for you to do something wrong god hopes you take the make the right choices mm-hmm. but he's going to let you choose the same way we you will watch a child and uh, you watch a toddler trying to walk you don't always go up and grab them they have to learn mm-hmm. they learn to fall they learn to stand they learn to do all those things so that's all part of this process god wants us to make our own choices he causes all things to work for good, so no matter what happens, God will help you through it. But He does want you to make your own choices. And number ten, God the Father knows you intimately. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're dreaming. He knows what you're afraid of. He knows what you've been through. He knows all of those things, and He loves you. All of those things God knows about us, and He loves us, not in spite of it, but because of it. Our brokenness draw, should draw us closer to Him and not farther away. And it, it's hard for us to to grasp that concept because, especially once we acknowledge we're sinners, self condemnation is easy. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had 
people that have, have come to church that have told me, man, I thought you were just talking to me. You have to learn when you're a pastor very quickly to keep your eyes moving around the crowd. Oh, yeah. If you stare at somebody too long, they think you're talking about them. But some people get so struck by that, and it's intimidating. And that's conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's not your pastor talking to you personally. That's conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's God trying to draw you closer, not mm-hmm. chase you away. And that's, I think, part of the problem that we have with, uh, like I said, one of my big things is, is men in church. Um, uh, we have a lot of men that we know that uh, respect the church, love the church, you know, just don't don't really go to church, but you know, want their families to be involved in church and really believe in God and listen to it in the tractor and all that kind of stuff. But when they don't show up on Sundays, it doesn't take long before their son thinks, I'm old enough now, I don't have to go to church like Dad. Yeah. And that's a sad thing. We're losing that. And in losing that, we lose the whole family unit. One of my, I think, the best depiction of God as Father in mm-hmm. the Bible is Luke 15 with the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. And the son, if you know the story, there's two sons. The younger son is just selfish and he says, give me my inheritance. And if the father, the father does, but of course he blows it all and he gets to be a mess and he decides to come home. And in Luke 15 it says, but while he, that's the son coming back, well, he was a still a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then this, the, the father doesn't even, he just says, the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And then this is in a Bible study by Anne Spangler called The Names of God. And in this chapter about Father, or God as Father, it says, Rather than depicting God as a typical Middle Eastern patriarch who wielded considerable power within the family, he depicted him primarily, he is Jesus, Jesus depicted him primarily as a tender and compassionate Father who extends grace to both the sinner and the self-righteous. I just, I like that. And right. um, go ahead, you want to share something? Well, I think... Jesus showed us in that parable, but he also, there's one other time that I really liked. This This really struck me. Mm-hmm. Um, as I thought about this and as I prayed about this, this really came to me. When the, when the disciples asked Jesus how they should pray in Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, and Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer, which we are also familiar with. I think in that prayer, there are so many aspects of, G, of God yeah. as the Father that Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples and he does say our father in heaven yeah so he tells us where our father is hallowed be your name and then he says your kingdom come your will be done so we are to surrender ourselves to the father's will Mm -hmm. um and then he says give us this day our daily bread god is our provider our father is our provider and if we go to him with that concept with that mindset understanding that everything we receive is from our father then we have no problem what if everything you receive is from your father then you have no problem going to your father and asking Mm -hmm. and you have no no problem whatsoever being grateful because you know that's where it comes from once we understand where it comes from it's much easier for us to 
go back and ask for more. Um, if we think we're doing it ourselves, we're kidding ourselves. And forgive us our debtors, our, our, our debts. So in other words, forgive us. He is the only one that really can. Mm-hmm. No one can do it except God. And the only way God did it was through his son. So without that, we would not be uh, able to be forgiven. Only God can do that. And deliver us from the evil one. The only person who can do that. Why would Jesus pray to, pray that if, if we could have done it ourselves? Right. Why would he ask for any of these things if they're things we could do ourselves? They aren't. So he just simply put these aspects of the Father out there. The only one who can provide, the only one who can forgive, the only one who can protect, and the only one whose will and timing is perfect, all comes from this, this prayer that Jesus put out. Mm-hmm. And is that not what we want from our fathers? Right. We want unconditional love. We want protection. We want forgiveness when we're wrong. We want provision. Acceptance. And we want acceptance. And God accepts us. Our Father, our Father, is how he said we start that. Right. Uh, two things. Mm-hmm. Um, first, that song, Good, Good Father. Mm. That, yeah. is, uh, that got I, stuck in my head while we were talking, thinking about well, this. That I had a little sheet. I was going to read those words. Maybe mm-hmm. you can find it. And people think that was written by Chris Tomlin. It was not written by him. It was written by two other guys. But that song, that really made a difference in my life. I and mean, I've been a Christian a long time. But when I, when I first heard that song, did you find it? Mm-hmm. Do you want to say the words? It, even when I was reading about this article about that song, which I was kind of walking around trying to find this page I had, and I can't find it, but how... God is God will use that song to help you understand what a good good father he is. And I just I don't know for some reason using those those words and the music and it just can sink down into your heart. And so Shannon you'll read those words for that song. Yeah. And if you've never heard that song listen to that song. You can the, all sorts of artists have have uh recorded it. It's called Good Good Father, but read those and then I have something else. For the benefit share. of all listeners, I will be reading and not singing. Oh, sing it. Okay, go ahead. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. But I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night. You tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. And then the chorus says, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Second verse says, I've seen many searching for answers far and wide. But I know we're all searching for answers only you provide. Because you know just what we need before we say a word. And then the uh, the bridge says, because you're perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways to us. You're a good, good father. Thank you. If you, and I, if someone, if, if, if that's not really sunk deep into your heart, how, if you don't know for sure, I mean, if you don't feel that God is so, so good and that, and that he really wants to spend time with you. I mean, if there's anything, I, I just really recommend going to YouTube and, and listening to that song. But I also want to go back to this article by Juanita Ryan. And there's, I want to, first, there's a few common distortions of God, she says, that a lot of people have. Uh, some people see him as a bully or unreliable, too busy. He abandons his kids, God of impossible expectations, emotionally distant. 
We can get wrong images from, you know, authority figures, from parents, anybody in our lives, even from church teaching. Sometimes we have the wrong images. But she had three steps that a person should take to to maybe try to reconcile. In their head, they know God is good and He's patient and He wants to be with them. But maybe somewhere deep inside, in their in their private their, in their private part of their heart, it doesn't feel that way. This is what she says. She says, first, explore your private images of God. Be totally honest. Negative images of God keep us locked in self-destructive behaviors. If we don't address, and then second, she says, if we don't address them, our relationship with God can become distorted. And tons of spiritual darkness or distress. I'm sorry, I couldn't read my own writing. Tons of spiritual distress, trying to please him or hiding from him. And third, she says, the private images are related to our image of ourselves. They can mm. cause self-distortions. And right. that was the other thing. If we don't, it, it, you need to, to take time just by yourself and with God. Ask God to show you. He knows how you are looking at him. And only when you get that true image of God can you be free to be yourself and free to love God. And you'll, you'll get more bold. You'll get boldness. When you know how much God loves you, so I I recommend, oh, I recommend that you really take some time to do some inner searching. Yeah, I, I like that boldness comment. I, I always think of, and I've used this image in a lot of my sermons. I think of the little child that says, "Catch me!" and jumps. Yeah. Before you say, "Okay, go ahead." Yeah. That boldness of I know you're going to catch me when I jump, so I'm just I'm just jumping because I know every time you catch me that concept is something that our earthly fathers are faulty because we're human it happens as a father i i have faults i know that and i work on that and i really 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 hope that my my children give me the grace to to love them the best i can and understand what i can't but god is perfect in that love so there's no fear there's no trepidation there's no reason that we should hesitate to be bold in our love for god because he is the ultimate in boldness for his love for us. Yeah, and if, and if you can't be bold in your love or you're hesitant with God in any way, that means you do have to do some of this self-reflection and try to find how are you relating to God. And then when you figure out what is causing you to, to stop with this intimacy with God, maybe it is a, a you relate to him like he's an, a bully or something, then go to the Word and find scripture that counteracts that. Uh, I just want to read a, f- a, f- a few things of God. It's um, God is loving, kind, compassionate, patient, giving, faithful, strong, forgiving, good, righteous, caring, sovereign, which means he's in charge of absolutely everything. He's the shepherd, Psalm 100, ever-present, refuge, gracious, healer, powerful, savior, helper. If you have a concordance in a Bible, then that's a great place to find verses that you need mm-hmm. or if you are on the internet you can just say is god a healer and it'll come up with a with a verse i mean the the internet's wonderful for that and G, and revelations 21 5 it says behold i'm making all things new right for these words are faithful and true and then something you can pray ephesians 1 17 the glorious father give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better that's Ephesians mm-hmm. one seventeen. Mm-hmm. God wants you to know Him as He is, not how a distorted way of our, 
your humanity might be showing yourself, showing him to yourself or something. I don't know if that made sense. But No, but God wants us to separate what we see around us and who we are ourselves from him. He is as different from us as we are from um, a stick. Right. There is such a difference between us that we don't, we don't, we cannot completely grasp the fullness of God. But if we understand that that difference is there and that that difference is awesome, right. then understanding that that awesome difference loves us is an amazing thing. And if you, if you if you can take the time to see how you really feel about God, then He can heal you. And Scripture will be you. You use Scripture to heal. Those are God's words, and he will heal you. He wants you to realize how much he really, really, really loves you. And we can't even comprehend how much he loves us. And he's patient, and he wants to be with you. I think the one with me was too busy. Mm. I, I knew God was there, and I knew he's loving me, but I felt like, oh, okay, Jane, well, I'll give you some time. I'm a little too, you're a little too insignificant, but it yeah, okay. really, really bugged me. Yeah, yeah, that's not God at all. No, but I, I, I just, it's the same way, and I realize I do that with people, and I'm like, you really want to hang out with me? You really want to spend time with me? I mean, I'm just me. Well, yes, I do. Well, I know you do, and um, which I'm glad. I'm always glad when he wants to spend time with me. And then another thing, uh, it says here, and this is from that Robert Stein article, he says, the description of God as Father is under attack today in certain circles. It is charged by some that this leads to a false view that God is a male. This criticism should be taken seriously in that God is not a man. That was in Numbers twenty three nineteen. He is a spirit, John four twenty four, without sexual parts. When God is referred to as a father, this is simply the use of a metaphor in which he is likened to a kind and loving father. But the main thing is that Jesus chose this as his metaphor. So if Jesus chose to call God father... Then who are we to say differently? Yeah, I mean... I, I think I think that's... There's no difference between someone who wants to debate that as some sort of social experimental thing than there was in early early church times when they were debating how many angels could dance on the head of a pin. Yeah. I think it's just ridiculous. Let's just go strictly with what the Word says. And what the Word says is that we are His children and He is our Father. So... Uh, Ephesians 1.5 says, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. He predestined us. Before you were born, God said, You are my child. And here is the way to get back. I let you have a brother to come to earth to die for you. Your brother came and died and shed his blood so that you would be in my family. And I did that before you were born. Yeah. Think about the love that took. Um... I just have a couple more things. This mm-hmm. is from a, a Washington Post article. That they, uh, fathers' faith perceptions of God may stem from dad-child relationships. Mm. A father has a powerful influence in deep and subtle ways. Even though children know intellectually that God is fair, loving, and kind and patient, it's hard for them to relate to God at a gut level in a deep way if their own father is not that way. That was by a David Dolahite, professor of family life at BYU. And the influence, and this is a, a Eliza Zay Autry, a sociologist of religion and global fellow at Institute of Global Engagement. This is the last one I share. It says, mm-hmm. he says, the influence of fathers is unique and vital. 
A mother's influence is constant. They are always there, but somehow that is not enough. And he was talking about how the father figure in, is so important. And I, I, and I think that transcends a human father. Mm-hmm. I think that is the, the, the need we have inside for our heavenly father. And I think we have such a need for that, for to be accepted by our heavenly father to find a place. And unfortunately, him. we have messed it up so much in our society, in our lifetime, and as humans, where we have destroyed, in some ways, the value of a father through whatever things going on. I don't want to go into all those, all those societal things and saying fathers are not worth anything. So even when we do understand our need, we have a hard time accepting because we don't want to say we are dependent upon a father. Yeah. I am dependent on God the Father. Mm-hmm. I am dependent upon God the Father. I don't hesitate to say that whatsoever. And if anybody asks me, I do not hesitate that. Everything I have comes from God. And everything that happens happens according to His will and, and in His in His good timing. So it's a challenge for us because we we do mess it up. I would recommend, highly recommend um, young men and uh, young fathers, old fathers for that matter, doesn't matter, we have a hard time. We've just talked about how hard a time we have with this whole father thing. And yet we are put in that role. If you are in that role as a father, no matter how wonderful your earthly father was, model yourself upon your heavenly father. Yeah. Think about these things that we're talking about God being and try to be that for your children. Be the giver of wisdom. Be the provider be the one who accepts and forgives and loves unconditionally. The one who disciplines and sacrifices and does everything they can for their children. Be that person. Be approachable. Be present mm-hmm. all the time. Be as close as you can to God because that's the model that was laid out before us as, as men. And anything less, we're half-measuring everything. We're half-stepping. So step out there in faith and love God the Father the way God loves us. That's good. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll see you next week.